today we're hearing scripture found in 2 Corinthians. So you, by definition, know it's the second letter written to the church in what town? In Corinth. Corinth. And uh, that's an interesting <laughs> congregation, to say the least. It's a congregation that obviously um, Paul must have had a real passionate love and frustration relationship with. Because he keeps writing to them, keeps being in connection with them. And they are people who at least I give them the respect of saying they are honest about their confusion at times and totally honest about their humanity, about being imperfect, of trying to figure out what this is to be a Christian. And Paul keeps trying to help teach them and raise them up. And he both admonishes them in some places in, the, in these letters and then praises them like a loving parent would. But here in, in chapter 5, he, he's trying to say to them, all the things you're struggling with, maybe, maybe you need to rise above what you're looking at and see it from another vantage point. And so he gives them a new way of seeing things and then offers them even a higher challenge to pursue. I hope you hear that in these words, and we'll talk about it in just a second, as John reads to you now from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade others, but we ourselves are well known to God, and I hope that we are also well known to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast in outward appearance and not in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that no one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new, and all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. Gracious God, I ask you to let us see a higher way, a new way, a, a way beyond so many of the places that we get stuck in our faith. I ask you to bless us today that whatever happens in this worship, we are captured by your spirit and we feel your presence even closer to us as we leave. I ask you humbly that you would allow my words to carry some of your truth and when I am falling short, forgive me and send your mercy and power and strength 
to work anyway in spite of me. We offer this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. How many of you remember the comedian Rodney Dangerfield? How many of you like Rodney Dangerfield? I loved Rodney Dangerfield. I love his premise of his humor, which is basically the fact that if you think you've got it bad, you ought to listen to his life. I appreciated that premise. I appreciated some of his great one-liners. You know, when I, when I played in the sandbox as a kid, the cat would cover me up. You think you had it hard. I had a tough childhood. Well, I, my parents hated me. When I was growing up, the two gifts they gave me was a bathtub and a toaster. Once I was lost as a kid, and I found a cop, and I said, hey, can you help me find my parents? And we kept looking and looking. I said to the cop, do you think we'll ever find them? He said, I don't know. There are a lot of places for them to hide. He would go on and on, and I really had to sort through a lot of his one-liners, because the ones I really laugh at, I can't tell you in church, but there's some really good stuff. And what he had to say as far as as humor is concerned, and I love the premise about the fact that, you know, you think you got it bad. Man, what I'm doing is really tough. Now, I got into Rodney Dangerfield's humor this past week because last week I was talking to you about forgiveness. And I think forgiveness is a topic that we as Christians spend an awful lot of time talking about and a lot of time not doing. I've, in my ministry, had a lot of people come up to me and raise questions about forgiveness. Like, man, I don't know how I can do that. I mean, this guy really messed me over. I'm not really sure that I want to trust again in this relationship. I don't know how I can forgive. I don't know how I can receive forgiveness. What I've done is so crappy, there's no way I can be forgiven. And I find the Christians keep circling around this issue of forgiveness. And it seems as if, as Christians, we are the ones in the world who spend most time talking about forgiveness, and sometimes those who are the least demonstrative of giving forgiveness. But if you think forgiveness is hard, Try reconciliation. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians has been time dialoguing with these Christians, and, and they're having all these questions about how to go along, and this one's out of control, and this one's doing this, and they're all arguing. And Paul finally is beginning to say that, listen, I know you're struggling with forgiveness, but you're missing how to do this. And as I think what I hear him saying in 2 Corinthians is this. The reason you're having so much trouble learning how to forgive is most of you are trying to do it from your own vantage point and perspective. You're trying to figure out how could I, as Rick Dake, become a better forgiver. Well, the fact is, Paul says, Rick Dake, you're never going to be a really good forgiver if you're using yourself to begin with. You're too shallow, you're too egotistical, you're too wounded, you're too broken, you're too whatever to really learn how to forgive. How you learn to forgive is by first receiving the forgiveness that you receive in Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul is saying, hey, Christians, guess what? You don't have to figure out how to be a better Christian. You have to focus on how Jesus did things to become a better Jesus follower, and then you will learn how to forgive. Once you've experienced the love of Christ, Once you've experienced how God's mercy comes to us through Christ, once you get it through your head that you, as you are, as I am, imperfect, and also with some skills, 
are claimed and wrapped up in this love of Jesus Christ because he just loves us that much, then when we start there, we will learn how to forgive. He's saying, how many of you Christians are living your Christian walk without Christ being the authority that you're trying to learn it from? Have you ever done that? Have you ever tried to just be a better you with a little Jesus sauce on the side? You know, you, you think, if I just work harder at it, and every once in a while, you know, hey, Jesus, that, it'll work. And Paul's saying, that's not how it works. You've got to bring Christ into the center of your life and then work from that center out. That's how you learn to forgive. And you've got to learn that because that's not even what you were primarily called to do. Of course you're called to forgive. That's what Jesus gave to us. We taught us to give to each other. But forgiveness is the way God intended it. The way Paul sees it for us is like, it's like entry-level stuff. It's like, yeah, Christians, learn how to forgive. So once you got those basics down, ah, then you get on to the really good stuff. And the really good stuff according to Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, is that you and I are not primarily called to live just in forgiveness. We are called to become reconcilers. You're called to be a reconciler. That's second level. That's top tier stuff. That's seeing it from the pro level. And it's time for you and me to move from just worrying about how to forgive people to living our lives, to be willing to be reconcilers in the world, to be, Paul says, ambassadors for Christ. Those who go to live in the world to create reconciliation around them. That's our calling. So you thought forgiveness last week was tough. <laughs> Remember we talked about forgiveness last week? We said, you know, that's something you can basically do within yourself. You know, I can, I can forgive. Who do I want to forgive today? Ken. I can forgive Ken. Even if Ken li- lives across the other side of the world and we never see each other again. Because it's about, fundamentally about how I change my attitude about Ken. I quit holding hostility and hatred and resentment or whatever it is I have. And I set myself free from holding you hostage. And you can forgive me, but we don't even necessarily have to talk to each other to be forgiven. Now, hopefully in the perfect world you will offer forgiveness... Even if Ken rejects my forgiveness, I can be in a forgiving state with him. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how you can forgive people even after they've left you, even after they have died and they've injured you, and you're working your stuff out. You can eventually forgive them for the mistakes they made because ultimately it's about setting you free to live in a state of grace. But reconciliation, reconciliation is not a singular act alone. Reconciliation requires two people. Reconciliation requires two people to be engaged in a long-term process of establishing a relationship with each other where both are changed to create a new thing, a new creation. This is what Paul is talking about. For you and I to live in this world as Christians, it is not enough to be those who I forgive you. It requires us to be willing to go the second, third, tenth mile in offering ourselves up to be willing to reconcile with those who have wounded us, with those that we have wounded. So Paul is saying, 
Anybody want to agree with me that that's tough? I mean, it's the hardest thing. But it's also like most of the hardest things where the greatest payoff comes out. I want to be real clear about a couple things about reconciliation, if I can share this with you. And in the bulletin, there are some places where you can write down some thoughts and comments, and if anything strikes you today that you want uh, to take with you out of this conversation, if it helps you, I, I, I would be grateful that that could do that in your life. I want to start off with reconciliation with this clear understanding. I cannot reconcile with someone who has injured me, nor can I reconcile with someone I have injured, unless I first begin to see them and myself in a different way. Larry has has hurt me, and I want to reconcile with Larry, that no-good son of a gun. I'm probably not going to have an easy time reconciling with Larry as long as his last name is that no-good son of a gun. I'm going to have to see Larry from a new perspective. I'm going to have to acknowledge the fact, yes, Larry did something wrong against me, and guess what? He is a human being. And maybe I need to acknowledge the fact that I am somewhat culpable in this brokenness in this relationship. It needs to be an honest, clear understanding of what happened. Any sugarcoating is detrimental and will destroy any full reconciliation. Okay? So you have to be honest. And I also have to be honest to be willing to admit when the relationship between myself and someone else is not in a place where reconciliation is yet possible. If I want to reconcile with Larry, and Larry still hates my guts, we're not going to reconcile with each other right now. I can continue to pray for the relationship. I can continue to forgive in the relationship, both myself and Larry. But at some point, I have to have an actual conversation with Larry. Who knew? you got to talk to people. And in that conversation, we both have to agree we want to live into a new relationship. Paul calls it a new creation. I don't want to live by the old way. I don't want to live continually helping Larry to remember every day when I see him, Larry, I love you, even though you really screwed me over back in 19... No, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to see Larry in a new way. I want us to leave the old behind. Even if I don't forget, I can leave it behind. I want to work on this new thing. I'm moving forward with you. You want to move forward with me? And if we both agree to that, we can start reconciliation. Which is to say, you will not reconcile with everyone in the world that has injured you, nor will you reconcile with everyone in the world you want to reconcile with. You don't get to choose that on your own. But you do get to choose if you want to live in a spirit of reconciliation. If I stand ready, Sherry, if I stand ready to want to be reconciled with you, even if you're not ready to be reconciled with me, because it makes me change how I relate to you. And if it ever changes, I'm ready for the conversation. I'm ready to move forward. Christ is calling us to live into that. To be willing to be people who are ready to have the serious conversations and invitations for folks to move forward. If you're going to try reconciliation in your life as a way of following Christ, which by the way, Paul says you don't have a choice if you're a Christ follower, you've got to practice it. You've got to practice reconciliation. Because I don't think it comes easier naturally to most people. So try reconciling with people in the small stuff. 
you know, when people are, you know, when you live with people, your kids or your spouses or whoever, your significant others, and they're just jerks, right? I mean, on a given day, they're just, I saw you look at him, I get it. You know, he's a nice guy, but we get it. You know, they're just jerks that day, so you practice reconciliation in that day. Because ultimately, it's not that hard on a day-to-day basis in the ongoing give-and-take relationship. But you want to practice how to reconcile with each other. Not to let it slide, but talk about it without bows and arrows. To say, okay, this has hurt me. Can we talk about this? Can we move forward? Yeah, move forward. Because you have to practice it in the small things. So in the days when the major pains happen, when the major brokenness happens, when the major fracturing happens, you practice some skills to know. So practice reconciliation in all the relationships of your life, even in the small things. It may not matter a whole lot on that given day, except it will give you and the other person skills to know how to reconcile on the days you will need to know how. Do you understand? You hear me? You've got to practice it all the time. And then we stand in the ready. And I want to suggest to you this. If I have in my forethought as a Jesus follower that I want to be a person who will help bring reconciliation, it just, it just happens. You tend to be a person less willing to create fracturing. If I'm a person who's willing to want to reconcile, do you understand I'm going to be a person less likely to do injury? Do you hear me? In the fracturing in our culture that we have right now, as I talked about it last week, the reality is, is that there's so much brokenness and misunderstanding between black and white, power and, and uh, oppressed, that there seems to be no opportunity to come together. Well, before that coming together can really occur, both sides need to practice reconciliation in the relationships where it can happen. So then they can learn how to talk to each other in a ways that fully respect each other and come to common ground. And Christians are called to be the reconciling agents in the world. We will not fix the racial divide by how we decide today to be reconcilers to Christ here in Clarkston. But we will begin to set apart a culture around us that says reconciliation is possible and you have no idea who you inspire or what opportunities you will create if you're willing to do that. You have no idea. So last week we talked about forgiveness. And hopefully you walked out of here, and maybe this week you forgave somebody. Maybe, maybe you forgave yourself. Maybe you forgave God for what you think God has done for you, or where God failed you. And that's great. Today, 2 Corinthians 5 asks us to go further. Dare to be reconciled. To have the conversations. And be willing to stay in the relationship long enough for full healing to occur. I want to tell you, this is where Jesus makes the difference. You can't be a Christian without being Jesus-centered. It's amazing how how many days of my life I've done that. Celebrated the Creator, I've been happy with the Holy Spirit, I just wasn't focused on living like Jesus. Because, man, that's tough stuff. But when I'm focused on Christ and learn how from him to reconcile, I've got a chance. 
There once was a story, there's a story about two, two brothers. They were both farmers. And they had farms next to each other. And they were raised with each other and they went into adulthood being friends. But then one day, you know how it happens in families. There was this thing and he said this and he said that and then he said that. And then they quit talking to each other. And then they quit liking each other. And then they started hating each other. And they would work their fields and make sure they never made eye contact with the other working in the opposite field. They just would not talk. Fortunately, it was easy to keep separate because there was a, there was a creek, you know, a creek going between their property, which divided it. So you sort of knew, that's his, this is mine, I'm not going over there. Well, one day, one of the brothers allowed his hate and anger to bring a big berm on his side to make sure that not only was there a creek, but there was a good-sized mound to say, stay the heck out of my property. Said it without words. The other brother, now incensed, trying to think what he can do against his brother. And he heard when he was in town about this carpenter who was amazingly skilled. So he went to this carpenter. He brought him out to the farm on his side of the creek, on his side of the berm. He said, you see what my brother did? I'd like you to build a wall, the length. I want that wall to be a privacy fence that's 12 feet high. He'll never see my property. I'll never have to see him. I'll show him how I can shut him out. Can you do that? Are you skilled enough to do that? Yeah, I can do that. Well, I'm going away for a week. I'm going to come back. I want to see that all the way down when I return. He went away. A week later, he comes back, pulls in the driveway, goes around the barn. There's no wall. Instead, right there between his property and that brother's property, there's a bridge that this carpenter has built. It is an amazingly beautiful bridge. And he looks up, and he sees his other brother crossing the bridge. So he goes to get out there and meet his brother in the middle of the bridge. What's going on? And before he could say anything, the brother who started to cross the bridge first looked up with tears in his eyes. I've missed you for so long. Even in my hate for you, I've missed you. And I thought we would never have this conversation. But when I came home and saw you had hired a carpenter to build a bridge between our property, I knew it was a sign that you were ready to be my brother again. And in that moment, it all just fell away. And the two brothers connected. And together they went to find a carpenter. And they found him. And they thanked him for building such an amazing bridge. And they asked him, we've got some other projects we'd love to hire you to do. And this guy, this carpenter said, I don't have time to build more of those kinds of things. I've got more bridges to build. You and I follow a carpenter whose entire life story is about building bridges. Who have you been 
away from. Who do you know can't get together? It is not in your power alone to make reconciliation happen. But it is your calling as followers of the carpenter to do all that you can do to create the possibility of reconciliation. God just might do the rest. Amen.